0: I'm Jill Shaw, and you're listening to Last Night at School Committee. Ross Wilson and I are here to summarize for you what happened last night during Boston Public Schools' school committee meeting. The topics covered last night included school committee's goals and guardrails, the commission, which was created by the superintendent to advise on how the district spends the $400 million expected to come from the federal government, and there was a review of policies using an equity lens. Good morning, Ross.
1: Good morning, Jill. How are you?
0: I'm well. Ross, I think we should go a different direction today. I want to start by playing a quote from Hardin Coleman. After months of discussion about school committee's goals and guardrails, and these are the metrics that they will use to judge their own success at running the district, school committee unanimously approved the goals. Ross, Hardin was a key figure in working on the goals and, and creating the goals for the committee. Here's what He said,
1: As many of you know, I've been I've been having a lot of ambivalence about this uh, statement about closing achievement and opportunity gaps as 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 the guiding principle to the district, Uh, mostly because from where I sit in the psychology, um, there's so many things that uh, our children come to us with that are part of the barriers until the city council eliminate, helps us eliminate childhood uh, poverty in all our uh, homelessness in our school, reduce the childhood poverty rate to about 5%, um, uh, increase family incomes uh, substantively across all ethnic groups. Um, I think that we have challenges that I, I'm ambivalent about uh, creating a standard that we may not have the power and ability to achieve. So I've been very ambivalent about that.
0: And Russ, he wasn't the only one who expressed ambivalence as they were coming to a vote. What do you think is happening here?
1: Well, Jill, this was, I mean, this was a central part of the meeting last night on these goals for uh, the school committee. And essentially, these are five-year goals, Jill, that the school committee has been working on for months. And they brought a consultant in from the Council of Great City Schools to try to help them have more of a framework for what, what is their job, what is a responsibility, how to hold themselves accountable, and how to hold the school system accountable. And so these goals were sent back, if you remember a few times, there was concern about the measures, there was concern from many of the task forces in our district for students with disabilities, for our English language learners, for Opportunity and Achievement Gap task force members. They were all concerned these goals were not good enough. They were not reflective of what we should desire for our school system. And, you know, the reality is these goals showed up again last night. There was some feedback given from task force each of the task force yeah, um, and and in the end, there was still discontent uh, on these goals. And lo and behold, despite the discontent, the lack of endorsement from these task force and discontent among amongst members, there was a unanimous vote on these goals to set forth that these are five-year goals for the school system. And this is how the school committee will now hold themselves accountable. Yeah. So let me just talk through a couple of these issues, Jill, with these goals. First and foremost, uh, they are low. How how low? They're they're extremely low. Uh, There's no better way. So they are extremely low. In each of the goals, there's five goals with a bunch of other subsets of goals, right? uh, of of subgroups. Each of the goals essentially is saying that less than 50% of our Black and Latino students will reach proficiency. Yeah. Or less than 50% will graduate college and career ready. Right. Less than 50%. That's a, that's a goal five years
0: from now, right? Five years from now. Right. The less than
1: 50%. When we graduate students from our school system, right. less than 50% of our students will be prepared for college and career.
0: Yeah.
1: That's what we're saying. And, and, and let's just be clear, Jill, if we were um, an independent school or a charter school or some other uh, entity and, and we and we led right. with, hey, come to our school. Um, less than half of you will meet the standard of proficiency. Less than half of you will graduate our school prepared for college and career. I'm not sure we would have many students go to those schools. Right. And so this was brought up by uh, Vice Chair O'Neill, who said, you know, I fully endorse these goals. However, I'm very uncomfortable with the five-year goal being so low. And and us articulating that that is what we believe is our benchmark for our city, but yet he voted unanimously for the goal, right, uh, Mister for these goals. And Mister DeRugiero raised the question, you know, why are we doing five-year goals? You know, in fact, we're involved in a mayoral race right now. We'll have a a new elected mayor in November. You know, we we have a bunch of data we don't know from the pandemic. The superintendent and her team have articulated numerous times that they're not sure of what's happening around student achievement. They're not sure what's happening with the social emotional needs of our students. If we don't know so many things, why set a five-year trajectory? And why not wait until students come back to school full-time next year, have a good suite of assessments for social emotional needs and, and achievement, and then set clear targets for our future? You know, we had Dr. Rivera raise a concern. She said, look, I'm on the ELL task force and I'm incredibly uncomfortable with the ELL goal. And yet she voted unanimously for these goals. In fact, Jill, no task force, ELL, Special Education, Opportunity Achievement Gap, endorsed any of these goals. Yet the school committee feels compelled to move this quickly along and voted unanimously for these goals. Jill, you know, here's the question I would have asked as a school committee member. I would have said something to the effect of, these goals are very low. Our baseline data is very low. We are performing very low as a school system. Are there any schools in our district that are bucking this trend? Are there any schools that have more than 50% of black and Latinx students, meaning proficiency or above? Are there any classrooms in our school system that are bucking this trend? where we see Black and Latinx students achieving far above this rate? If the answer is no, which I don't think it is no, I think the answer is yes, we do have schools. We do have classrooms in our district that are achieving much higher rates than this. Mm -hmm. And we should see that data as a school committee and as a city. But if the answer is no, and we can't find any classroom, any school in our district, what other districts can we look to to see students achieving at far higher rates than this and quite frankly, Jill, if the answer is no, which I know it is not, that there are frankly many other districts where we see students at achieving higher than 50% proficiency rates are Black and Latinx students. Right. If the answer is we have no idea, and the school system has no idea what to do, then we have a massive problem in our city. Right. And look, Jill, this was, this was completely devoid, this conversation was completely devoid of the $400 million that has just come to our city. We have more money in this school system than we've ever had before and probably ever will. And nobody asked the question, how could we use these resources to not have a five-year goal that has less than 50% of kids at proficiency?
0: So Roz, I, I think you're asking really good questions and making a very good point, there was another great question that we talked about, which was asked by the new student rep on school committee. Her name's Zyra Mercer. She asked this question of school committee. If you fall below your target, what would you do in response to that? What a great question. Um, so this is exactly the next piece of the work, um, the next steps, which are, we wanna create a reporting a, a template for our reports. Uh, We want to be able to hold ourselves accountable, so we will be able to move things. So let's just say that, you know, we're not meeting uh, goal number one. Um, We would come back and have conversations. The superintendent would present information to us on the target, on the metrics, you know, where we're at. And if we didn't meet it, what were the strategies that the district was taking? And then we would be having a discussion with her on what are the other strategies? And because we're also disaggregating the data, we'd also be able to see where different student groups are at and be able to better target um, strategies, resources to to those groups. So Ross, it's interesting, right? Because because you're suggesting there are ways to get a higher performance expectation than less than 50% proficiency. Zyra's asking the question whether or not, or what we, what do we do if we don't even meet these metrics? And, and you just started to talk about the $400 million that's coming into the district soon and, and why there's no connection between the school committee's goals and guardrails and this massive amount of funding that's coming our way with the intention of solving for some of this
1: stuff. Right. So, so we know not only do we have the largest for people funding that we've ever had before in the city of Boston. We also have had a commitment of an additional $100 million from the mayor. We've also had additional relief funds come in and now we have another $400 million coming in to deal with the impact of this pandemic and the disproportionate impact of the pandemic on our black and Latinx students in our school system. And we, we, there's this question by our new student member saying, what do we do if we don't achieve these goals? And the answer was, well, we'll have to look more into it and we'll have to ask more questions. The the, the problem we have here, Jill, is, is you know, we have a school committee that just seems to not want to take responsibility for student achievement. You know, we heard from Dean Coleman that he almost feels as if this is out of their responsibility level. This is out of their control. Yeah. But in fact, the you know, the the education is impacted by too much outside the classroom to actually close these opportunity and achievement gaps in our school system. And then we have a a complete conversation early in the meeting about this new commission that has been established to decide on how to spend the $400 million. That's completely separate from the conversation about these goals. Right. Amazing. And on this new commission, there's, I think, less than 1% of them are parents. Right. Where are the parents? Where are the students on the commission? Where are the teachers on the commission? Where are the school leaders on the commission? Why are we relying upon 30 community partners and advocacy groups to tell us how to spend the money? You know, look, if we don't know, let's let's be clear. If the school committee doesn't know how to spend $400 million to close the opportunity gap that we have before us, They should give the $400 million to the families who are most impacted by this pandemic. Just give it to them directly and say, here, we don't know what to do with it. You take it and meet the needs of your family.
0: Well, it was partially what Zyra was saying too, right? Because as she continued through her list of questions, which were terrific, she was looking at the goals and guardrails as something that would impact individual kids and families, right? Like she was perceiving that you know, less than 50% of my peers and I are going to achieve at a certain level. And, and so she asked the question, like, would you go back to families and students and, and get their input? That hadn't dawned on school committee, at least in terms of how they answered her questions to, to think about it in terms of individuals, right? It was kind of, It's almost like they were thinking about it thematically like we will see kids kind of perform in this way. She was thinking about it in terms of, man, if that was me, I would want to have the answers for why I'm not over the 50% mark.
1: Absolutely. I mean, like we just came off a meeting, our last meeting, school committee meeting, there was a celebration of the highest graduation rate ever in the the school uh, history, in in Boston Public Schools history. Right,
0: with all, with waived, there, there were no, you didn't have to have achieved anything to graduate this year.
1: Right. The Boston Globe wrote an article about how amazing it is that the Boston Public Schools has reached the highest uh, graduation rate ever. Right. And yet we've just set goals that for the school system right. that 50 50% less than 50% of our students will be proficient. Um, less than 50% of our students who are special education or ELL will have one year's worth of growth in their education. Less than 50% of our high school graduates will meet the standard that we currently have for high school graduation. Um, this is why we have 75% of our students needing remedial classes when they move on to community college or college in the city of Boston. This is reported by the school committee. Seven, 75% of our graduates need to go to remedial classes. Right. I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing as a city? You know, look, th- this this conversation to you, Jill, was completely devoid. You know, the school committee almost has like given up, right, and said, okay, we, we we don't expect the school system to do very much for our students. In fact, earlier in the meeting, the superintendent reported that 55% of students who were intended to show up in person actually showed up 55% right. of students who were supposed to show up actually showed up to school and nobody nobody asked no one probed into that nobody asked what are we do we wait wait a minute did well how many attended virtually do we know nobody asked right right like like my goodness M- maybe we can close opportunity gaps by caring if our students are attending school every day? Maybe that's one thing the school committee could ask.
0: Yeah. I also just, you know, to build on your point about so many students 75% of students who go into community colleges then need to do remedial classes. What, what that means is that they didn't get the math or reading skills that would make them proficient to head into college, right? And yet, and yet they talk about the school committee talks all the time about making sure that our kids are college and life ready. And and so we're absolutely not achieving that goal. And then kids are required to pay the Pell grants, federal grants don't pay for any of those remedial classes. So basically kids who are in a K through 12 school system graduate out with no expectations any longer. And then, but we we do expect that if they're going to move on to college, that they pay their own way and get the education that they were supposed to get on their own dime.
1: It is our responsibility in a K-12 school system to graduate our students prepared to move on to college and career success. And if our school system does not do that, the school system is irresponsible and should be held accountable. And families need to know that they should not come to the school system because they will not be served well. And that's what's happened last night at school committee. The school committee clearly articulated to families If you come to our school system, one out of every two students will not be ready for college and career, right? The school committee could have also asked about summer plans, right? For going on for for a few months now, the school system has said, we will have a plan for every student in the Boston public schools this Mm -hmm. summer, every student. And last night, again, the question was asked by one of the school committee members and said, how's how's it going? What are some of our plans? Well,
0: because it's the end of April, right?
1: It's end, the it's end of April. I mean, it's end of April. People no answer from the, school, from the school department. Right. The school department had no answer. There's and, and yet, we had a school committee member say, thank you so much. This is great. I'm so glad you're going to have a plan for every student. But there is no plan. Like, come on. Like, can we hold somebody accountable for ensuring? Like, we have an opportunity. We have money, we have time. Let's make sure every one of our students is engaged in a really high caliber summer program. Yeah, I didn't if, if not for their academic needs, for their social emotional needs.
0: Right, no, absolutely. Well, I mean Andrea Zaya said way back at the beginning of this year in a school committee meeting that there'd be 16,000 summer opportunities for students and that every student would be accounted for that the school district was committing to that. And so, you know, it's now the end of April they're suggesting that they'll come back in May, presenting what those options are. I mean, May is really close to when kids are out for the summer. And so this is really leaving parents hanging until the last minute as they try to think through, what am I going to do for my child over the summer? And there's been no assessments given, maybe there will be between now and the end of June, but we haven't heard about any plans for assessments. So we actually don't have any idea where kids stand.
1: Um, How are they doing now that they've returned to in-person learning? Mm -hmm. How are we assessing their social emotional needs and academic needs? We have an opportunity now at towards this end of the year as students return to find out what their needs are, set a new baseline, understand what we'll be going into in September. Mm -hmm. This is the way you align the resources that are being sent to the school system. Right. And that's how you begin to make a plan to meet the needs of the students as we now understand them. But not not one question about assessment or about where our students are now. Right.
0: Because you make a good point in terms of needing to have an assessment of where kids are right now and, and what they need in order to think through what the goals are for allocating that $400 million budget we, we also didn't hear anything about what, you know, what are the goals, right? Because how, how is this commission going to guide a process that comes up with how funds will be allocated if we have no idea what the goals are? I mean, it can't be that our expectation is going to be that we, that 50% of them are proficient, that I can't imagine that's what we're hoping to achieve with the $400 million. But we didn't really hear any discussion of, of that.
1: Jill, in the absence of another goal, I'm looking at the goals that were voted on by school committee last night. Right. And they are absolutely saying that less than 50% of our students will be proficient. And so I, I don't know any other answer to you, Jill, than, than I believe the commission will be spending their time thinking about how we're gonna invest $400 million to get to a subpar performance for our students.
0: That's extraordinary. So what do you think happens next? Right, We've got a lot of big things happening in the city in front of us, we're, we're, what happens next?
1: I can't imagine that this doesn't become part of the political discourse in the city of Boston. I can't imagine a circumstance where mayoral candidates are asked, are you okay with less than 50% of our students meeting proficiency and being prepared for college and career? Mm-hmm. I can't imagine a city that will allow that to happen. Yeah, I can't imagine a city such as Boston that has such huge income disparities based on race in our city
0: Yeah,
1: that we wouldn't start in our K-12 system with addressing those inequities. Jill, I'm hopeful that because we have a mayoral election happening in the city of Boston, that education... The, the conversation around education in our city is raised up to a level where we can have a, we, we can say, is this okay? Yeah. Is this okay to have a school committee that would be this complacent in allowing so many of our students to be unprepared for college and career? And so I would expect, I would, I hope that we'll see a level of outrage. A a new plan. A, a new sense of urgency, to not allow what the school committee set forth last night to happen. To not allow the school committee to achieve these goals.
0: You think you think this will be provoked during the mayor's race?
1: I, I hope so. I I can't. I, I can't imagine a mayoral candidate saying, these are my goals. By five years, judge me as an education mayor. I will make sure that less than half of our Black and Latinx students reach proficiency. Right. Judge me that. I could never imagine that in the city of Boston to happen.
0: Right.
1: And Jill, that's what happened last night at school committee. The school committee voted on a five-year goals to say that less than half of our kids will be proficient.
0: Yeah, it's pretty brutal. So usually, Ross, we talk about questions that we should all be asking ourselves. Obviously, I think this conversation has probably prompted a lot of questions. Do you have any questions that you think we should be thinking about or that school committee should be thinking about?
1: Well, Jill, I mean, Jill, there's other things that are going on in our in our city right now that were not discussed. You know, in, in fact, you know, first and foremost, I mean, how are our students doing? You know, supposedly 60% of our students return to in-person learning. How are they doing mentally, emotionally, academically? For those students who are remaining remote, how are they doing? And how many of them are attending school? We need a plan for next year. We don't have any measures in place to discern where our kids are and how to be planful for the coming year. We have no plan for summer. How about not make it on the agenda? What's the plan for summer? Right. How many of our graduates, by the way, are going to college? how many are going, how many, what's going to happen to the rest of the senior class next year? We're sending kids off into the world and we're sort of saying we're, we're done. You're, you've graduated, but they're not prepared. Right. So what are we doing? That's our responsibility, Jill. that's our responsibility to prepare them. What are we doing? And then Jill, there's just things that are happening in the city that are, that were not discussed last night. In fact, every student uh, or students who applied to exam schools got their letters last last night, yesterday. Mm-hmm. And you know that's all over social media and parents are trying to piece together, what does it mean to get accepted into the exam schools or not be accepted? And they're trying to put together the data and find out how many kids were tied and all sorts of stuff. Because of the lack of transparency of the school system, there's a whole bunch of people spending time and energy trying to make sense of what happened with the exam school policy. Who got in, who didn't get in, and right. there's all a whole bunch of distraction around that.
0: Because they cannot count on any transparency from the district, they can certainly count on each other. And so, and because of the power of the internet and social media, they're able to collaborate and try to discern what the real story is.
1: Right, well, it'd be much better to have a school system that was transparent and released yeah. the data so people uh, can learn it from a trusted source. Right. And then Joel, a letter went out yesterday, uh, also asking every parents in the Boston Public Schools if they're interested in a new virtual school, and okay. and that's what, become a what now, is virtual and, uh, school? I, uh, was- who knows? Who knows? But it, but but it seems to be it, it may be something that next year the city tries to create a virtual school. But it was just a sort of inquiry of like who is interested and who may not be interested. I, so that that also wasn't discussed at school committee. But that's something that every family is thinking about because they got this email sure. from superintendent yeah. last night but never discussed at school committee so it, it just it just seems to be such a disconnect from what's happening day to day and what happens at school committee meetings you know jill the there's one question that we should be asking you know superintendent put out a letter two weeks ago and it was entitled um are the kids okay and she was encouraging us in this climate this this climate of racial distrust and and you know our country divided, to ask each other, are the kids okay? Are you okay? Mm-hmm. And it makes me think this morning, when we think about the meeting last night, I wanna ask that question back to the superintendent. Are the kids okay? Are our kids okay? And how do we know?
0: Well, there are ways to engage. Certainly. Uh, There's a couple of things that are coming up that should be on everyone's purview in case they want to attend. You can attend an exam school task force committee meeting. There's likely only a few of these left, and we'll post the dates and times of those on our blog. Those are virtual meetings. And then also, this commission that was set up to advise the superintendent on how to spend the incoming $400 million we'll have four public meetings, which you can also attend. And so we'll post the dates and times for that as well. Thank you for listening to Last Night at School Committee. We hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, please rate, review, like, and share it with your fellow friends, parents, and residents of Boston. We all have a stake in the future success of Boston
1: students. Have a great day.